Hey, what's going on, ecosystem? Welcome back again to ATI Auto Business. It's Wednesday, it's noon. That means it's time for live carrier advice with your DOT guy, Brian Riker. And uh, we're going to keep this show pretty tight, so go ahead and jump in the live chat. If you've got a question, please put it in the live chat. we got a couple questions from the past we're going to go over. We do get emails, we get comments on past shows. And if you've got a question in between shows, I'll tap Brian on the shoulder. Um, or you can do it yourself. Let's see, I'm going to share the email here on air at yourdotguide.com. So if you miss the show live, and you can put it in the comments below the video, or you can email Brian on air at yourdotguide.com. Because we know when you've got a compliance question, we're going to do DOT, FMCSA, and more business advice. You pretty much need an answer right away. It's not something you can wait a week to go by. What do you think of that, Brian? Is that right? Yeah, normally uh, you want an answer sooner rather than later. So let's jump in with a question. Um, all right. we had a. This is from the past show, and that is that uh, the question is, can you ask Brian what the cost is for a startup DOT MC compliance. I'm not asking for solid numbers. Putting a financial plan together. I'm buying a uh, a low mileage sleeper Ram, and here's the picture of it too. I don't know if you can see the picture, but you remember this one from I think it was two or three weeks ago, and I just wanted to mm -hmm. follow up. What what thoughts? What advice can you give for a startup auto transport business owner operator with this? Um, yeah, I'm not seeing your picture right now. I'm still seeing you. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll tell you what. Here, let me hit a button here. Uh, yeah. Okay. The there share we go. Screen button, <laughs> there buddy. we go. There we go. Hey, what's up, Devin? <laughs> Devin saying hello. Hey, fellas. Oh, oh that's a nice see. looking, nice yeah. looking rig. Um, and I tell you what, having that sleeper is, is much better than sleeping in the back seat. And that would actually allow you to be comfortable and even run a team in that truck. Um, so good truck, nice choice there. Um, as far as cost, it's a myth that the little truck is less expensive than the big semi. So having the little truck, having a big semi, you save a few dollars here or there, but you make it up in the, uh, frequency of maintenance on the little truck. Uh, so you're not really saving any money there by going with the Ram versus a full size, uh, road tractor um i'm still not exactly sure what they're asking for an opinion or advice on startup cost for compliance uh, yeah. compliance is an ongoing expense and it's not expensive but there is there are expenses related with it so you have your operating authority which is 300 dollars paid to the us dot uh, plus a processing fee if you don't file it yourself. You have your UCR, which is $62 for up to two trucks for this calendar year. And next year is due already. And that dropped down to 42 I think, 22 So under $45, provided you file that yourself and don't pay a service. Uh, then you have your license plate, which can be upwards of... 800 to a thousand dollars for a non CDL truck and near $2,000 for a CDL uh, combination, depending upon what you register it as for weight class and what state you're based in. 
you have your trailer registration. Um, then you have the cost of a drug testing program if you're CDL. You have a little bit of cost in getting your driver qualification file, uh, running motor vehicle report on yourself and or anyone else that's going to drive. So startup compliance cost somewhere in the one to three thousand dollar range if you want to include your license plate for the truck and trailer your federal annual inspection your ucr if you need to apply for new york hut or uh new mexico weight distance kentucky kyu number which you wouldn't have with a hot shot you got to be over fifty-five thousand pounds for that um so ballpark thousand to three thousand dollars so how about pitfalls like what are we not talking about is there you're right what 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 is it that i don't know what what you don't know and none of us know even those of us that have been operating for years is what the market is going to do we're in a midterm election cycle and i'm not making this political at all this holds true no matter who's in the presidency, who's in charge of the House and the Senate, midterm, normally it flips who's in charge of the House and or Senate. So we're going to have an unsure political climate for the next two years. We're facing a mini recession right now. Labor is at an all-time premium. So if you're not going to be an owner-operator and you think you're going to hire a driver for $1,000 or something a week, you're sadly mistaken. Um and flatbed freight, even though there's still a high demand for trucks, flatbed freight, auto freight, the rates don't reflect the $6 a gallon diesel fuel that we're seeing and tolls higher than ever on the toll roads in the U.S. Uh, so what you don't know is, is it going to be economically feasible right now or not? especially if you're relying on brokers to find your work instead of having direct customers of your own. What you don't know when you're buying a used piece of equipment is how well was it truly maintained? Is the driver selling it because they bought a new one? Are they selling it because they're in over their head and they can't afford it? Are they selling it because it's a nightmare that's been in the dealer more than it's been on the road? Low miles on a relatively new truck means either they weren't very productive with it or it was broke down a lot. So you have to answer all of these questions. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I just jotted down several things. Number one, I think we should do a show buying used equipment tips because I'm seeing more and more used equipment right now. It's funny you bring that up because it's not on purchasing used equipment, but I'm doing a seminar in uh, Baltimore, Maryland at the American Towman Exposition uh, um, the weekend before Thanksgiving uh, oh, coming up here in only a couple of weeks. I'm doing a seminar on maintaining aging equipment because wow. face it, the new truck market is still upside down. You're still nine to 12 months out for a new truck in many cases and getting exactly what you want is almost impossible right now so fleets and owner operators are being forced to keep their equipment longer which means they have to think about how to maintain that equipment so that it doesn't start to break the bank there's a reason why your large truckload fleets dump off their trucks at 400,000 miles 
There's still some warranty left on them, so they have a value to the next purchaser. And 400 is the magic number before major repairs start happening on Class 8 trucks. So we have to be prepared for that and change our maintenance cycle. Same concept when you're purchasing used versus new. You have to understand, was that vehicle maintained with the long term in mind? Or is it only maintained to get it through the 150 or 300,000 miles they plan to own it? And they don't really care what happens after that. Because you can polish them up and make them look pretty. But if they skipped greasing cycles, extended oil drain intervals and stuff like that, the wear, the excess wear has already been done on the vehicle. Well, and it's kind of like, I mean, I saw a dealer was saying, I can spot a flood vehicle from a mile away. Same mm-hmm. thing with used equipment. If you know what you're looking for, you'll find it. Oh, absolutely. And don't be afraid and don't let the dealer or the private seller bully you into not. Don't be afraid to go over it with a fine tooth comb. Don't be afraid to take it to an independent mechanic, not the dealer's shop, not someone the dealer recommends. If you're buying something out of town, you don't know anybody, you find a shop that is not affiliated with whoever you are purchasing the vehicle from so that they don't have any bias and have them look it over. You're going to spend $150, $200, but a good quality mechanic will find things that you will not unless you are a mechanic yourself. Take it for a drive. Understand it. It's a great if point. You're buy, if you're buying it from a fleet, and you know who the previous owner was or you're buying it from a private seller look up their dot number did they have a lot of maintenance violations does it look like their company was struggling and they were in trouble because what's the first thing you're going to do you're not going to take money out of your pocket so that you don't eat you're going to extend that oil change you're going to run that truck a little bit harder you're going to maybe even take cheaper freight because you just need to put cash in your pocket so the bank doesn't repossess it and your vehicle is going to suffer. So, again, understand why it is up for sale. When are you going to be in Baltimore? Devin is talking about how he's, I guess he's in that area. What's the date on that? I forget the exact dates, but I want to say it's November 16, 17, 18. Go to uh, Toe Expo, and that's with... uh, um, or to, well, go to American Towman, towman.com, uh, yeah. right, I'm and a, there, there's yeah. a link for Baltimore. And then if you go to the seminar schedule, you can even see the exact dates and times I'm speaking. I believe I'm speaking Thursday afternoon on one topic, Friday on another, and Saturday on another. I think I have three separate November. Okay, I did find it. Okay, so at atexposition.com. There you and, go. Yep, and I'm sharing the link now, and what we're looking at is... Uh, this is on, well, I'll tell you what, here's what I can also do. Let's do, so there's the web page on the main screen here. There we go. Um, so you go to, yeah, atexposition.com. And this is in Baltimore. Okay, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, November 17, 18, 19. Yep. Okay. And uh, now... You can get onto the show floor for up to two people for free. They offer, they call it the Bosses Pass. They get you on the show floor for free. But all the other events, most of them have a fee attached to them, including 
the conferences, the seminars where myself and about two dozen other experts from all across the towing industry, but a lot of that transfers over to Hot Shop Freight as well, are speaking. I don't know what the conference passport is. I think it's $125, but that gives you as many of the classes as you can fit into your schedule with exception of a couple of uh, special ones like uh, the Recovery Billing Unlimited course and uh, some of the hands-on tow truck training courses. But for my classes and some other excellent business management and insurance classes, it's a flat fee, I believe, of a buck and a quarter. And take and that comes with a breakfast, too. So you can come in and have breakfast in the morning. And But if you want to just come on out and meet me and other industry folks, you can get on the show floor for free. You just have to pre-register. And uh, then you can uh, – I will be floating around. We're going to have worldwide equipment sales there with some tow trucks and the new Cottrell two-car carrier get that they debuted at AHA. We're going to have one on a uh, – awesome. uh, I believe it's a Freightliner chassis that's going to be in the worldwide booth. That's awesome. Wow, this is cool. All right, so that is, uh, yeah, put that on your calendar. Um, I'm glad we talked about that. I know Devin has a good question here. I want to make sure we get to Devin's question. Yes. Devin asks, can you explain the short haul exemption one more time? Sure can. And the beauty is they've made it the same for CDL or non-CDL operators. So there's really no significant difference anymore where there used to be. You have to leave from and return to the exact same place every day. Mm. You have to stay within 150 air miles of your location. So drop a pin on a map and do 150 air mile radius an air mile is longer than a ground mile so it turns out to be 172.6 statute or ground miles so stay within 150 air miles of that point you can cross state lines so you're allowed to engage in interstate commerce and you have to leave from and return within 14 hours and be relieved of all duty so go back park your truck and go home you're not sleeping in the truck. You're not staying out somewhere. You can't do this and then decide that you're going out somewhere. If you exceed the parameters of the short haul rule, then you have to use a logbook for that day and every day until you're back in compliance with short haul. I typed, I went to FMCSA, fmcsa.dot.gov, and I typed in short haul exemption. And popped it up. It's on the screen now. So if you want, you know, the specifics and the... Uh, I don't know what that squiggly is. That legal squiggly? Is that what it's called? The what? <laughs> that legal... <laughs> it, like It's it's like legal code squiggly. They don't teach us that stuff. Um, I, what I is believe that? That's, I believe that's the shorthand for subsection or section. Ah, okay, cool. Thank you. That's much better than legal squiggly. Uh, subsection 395.8 and subsection 395.11. I feel so much smarter now. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, yes. Uh, part 395 <laughs> are your hours of service regulations. Okay, so cool. in there, yeah, it'll define everything. It will tell you uh, 
when you need a logbook, when you need an ELD, and what the exceptions are, because there, there's uh, seven or eight different letters below 395, 8, and 11 that give you all the different short haul exceptions, because uh, uh, it also plays into uh, um, uh, passenger carriers having a different short haul than property carriers because passenger work under a different set of hours of service than we do so yeah if you want all the details that's in there but the basics are leave from and return to the same place within 14 hours be relieved of all duty sent home and stay within 150 air miles great next question this came in this morning i i told them to please tune in live we'll see if they're here we can send them the link to the show but essentially here's the deal the question is, what are the required documents needed for my hired-on non-CDL driver to keep his D to keep in his DOT binder? Okay, I, I did see an extra email, I believe, from the same person, but I haven't had a chance yeah, to respond it is. to I it I know, yet. you didn't have time. Yeah, that's why we're and, doing a um, it's cool. So, in the email, he goes into a little more detail, so... Um, it appears that it's a leased-on driver, not a hired-on driver, because he's talking about adding this person's equipment to their insurance and all of that. So uh, the, the required documentation is the same as if it was one of your own trucks and one of your own employee drivers. So you do a full employment application, background check. This is non-CDL, so there's no drug screen. Um, there's no clearinghouse but you still do the employment app, background check. If they haven't had any truck driving work in the last three years, you don't need to do the previous employer check, but you still need to collect the application. Uh, and then you need a DOT compliant lease that is executed if you're leasing them on that says you're responsible for the safety of their vehicle and what the terms are that you're paying them and all of that. That's in part 376 of the FMCSRs. So 49 uh, CFR part 376 explains what has to be in that lease. And then if this is truly a leased on driver, uh, they have to carry a copy of that lease in their truck to show that that truck is uh, operated by you, the motor carrier, even though it's registered in the driver's name or the driver's company name. So they would need to carry the lease with them. Um, and other outside of that, they don't carry anything else special with them other than the registration and insurance card for their truck and trailer, copy of the annual inspection for their truck and trailer, their driver's license, and because they're non-CDL, their medical card. And then if you have any other special permits like New York highway use tax or something, then they would carry that and have the decal on their, uh, on their truck. And awesome. I think that covered all of it. Thank you, Brian. Uh, we do have a follow-up on the short haul exemption. Devin just wants to clarify. So if my if my headquarters is my home, I just return home in 14 hours? Is that right? As long as you're starting from there as well. Yes. Ah, yes. Where, wherever, wherever the truck starts from. So you can't pull out of your driveway but then come back and leave the truck at the auction or at the, even at the mechanic shop across town. The truck and the driver must start from the and return to the exact same physical location to use the short haul exemption. Makes sense. And I think that answers this question. 
I'm going to do another one here. We're doing great. we got a little bit of time left. Uh, hey, this guy says, the cars are moving at the price they set, referring to brokers on load boards, because effing carriers take it. Anything to add? Where's the question in that? That's a fact. <laughs> and uh, I, I, have always, I have always said, and I practice this, we set our rates as the carrier the price that's on the load board is merely a starting point for the negotiation it is a mere suggestion don't be desperate enough to let them talk you into taking it for less and if it's below your cost plus profit margin don't be desperate enough to take it because now you're paying to move that vehicle and you're still assuming all the risk they're not going to say oh that was below your cost and it got damaged don't worry about it. We'll cover the damage. So if it doesn't meet your cost, ignore it. Call the broker. If they're not willing to negotiate with you, you don't need to get nasty or anything. Just move on. And if enough carriers actually did that and understood their true cost of operation, the rates would have to adjust to actual conditions that meet profitable levels for us. I mean, Look at your package companies, FedEx, UPS, companies like that. They put a 22% surcharge on their rates this year. Package volume is down, yet they still have a surcharge for a capacity crunch. Yet they have more capacity than they've had in a long time in their system. They're unashamedly out to make a profit. And if they can't make a profit, they're just simply not going to take that package and move it. We need to be the same way when we're taking these uh, cars or any other freight for that matter from a shipper or a broker whatever your source is it has to meet your cost plus your 15 20 percent whatever you want for a profit and operating margin on your company it's kind of like i mean uh i know this isn't going to be popular with everybody but just because you've priced it to the decimal that's just creative advertising <laughs> i mean that's not it's Everything is negotiable in service. Yes. And, and remember, when you're taking spot market buys, when you're taking freight off of the broker board, the load board, that's spot market. That means they can't move it with their regular carriers. So they should already be paying a premium. Spot market normally pays more than contract freight. So if they're trying to move that for less than what their contract freight is, something's wrong. B... It is an all-inclusive rate, so don't take it and then wonder where the fuel surcharge is and the, the detention or demerge or anything like that. Make sure you negotiate that all up front, and if it's not in writing on your rate con before you start the trip, it didn't happen. It's not going to happen. You're not going to get paid for it. So make sure your TANU, your truck ordered not used, is clearly specified. Make sure that your detention time, if you got to go digging for this car and you're held up at the auction or you're loading at a salvage auction that you know you're going to wait two or three hours for them to bring the vehicle out to you, make sure unloading is covered if you're moving an in-op and you know it's going to need unloading off of your truck. That all needs to be negotiated up front. And again, spot normally has that all in. So if that rate's not enough for everything you have to do, you need to have that discussion with the broker. You you, you can't just say, oh, that's the now, Brian, this is a business. And Brian and I are not naive. The thing is that 
one, someone's going to say, well, I don't have all that time and there's no way to have all that conversation. You're right. That's why you just add another hundred bucks and state the, state the rate and then move on. Right. And depending upon how big your company is, an owner operator has the most disadvantage at this because oh, they're okay. by themselves. They, they really are. Um, when I was negotiating by myself, it was awful. I was fortunate that my wife was able to do a lot of this for me. And, and so that really helped because she could set this all up while I was out on the road. But when you got a couple of. Hey, that's what dispatchers road, do. I'm just well, kidding. But you, you're, you're absolutely right. And, a, and a good one, yeah. a good one is that is exactly what they do. And that's why a good one is worth their percentage they take out of the load because they're going to do all that for you. Send in the carrier packets and get you the best possible rate. They're not even going to tell you about loads that made no sense to you. So it'll keep your blood pressure down. Um, and that's where I was going. If you've got multiple trucks, you hire an employee to be your dispatcher or you train your spouse to be your dispatcher if they have the ability to do that. Uh, but if you're an owner operator trying to do this all on your own, you're going to feel overwhelmed because you've got to work and drive 12 to 14 hours a day. You don't have time to sit there on the computer and argue with shippers and brokers over prices. Uh, that said, you still have to because yeah. you can't work at break even or a loss because then you just created yourself a job, and for that, you might as well work for somebody and not have the risk of owning the company and losing everything you own because something went wrong. So true. Uh, we don't have much time left. One last article. I want to. Uh, I'll just. I want to skip this one. This FMCSA denies petition to add limits to personal conveyance. I uh, just pointed out because it's frustrating, and I, you know, I like to point out frustrating news. But here, this is the one that I think deserves focus. This is in the realm of AB five, etc. Truckers weigh in on Labor Department proposal, and they're talking about uh, six factors. And this gets into your, you know, hiring labor, being labor, being independent. Brian, you have anything to add to this, or? Yes. Summation? Yeah. Yeah. We we've talked about this before. I'll keep it brief. The independent contractor, the owner-operator model, is under attack by our current administration and our current Secretary of Labor, Marty Walsh. They even, the Department of Labor, I subscribe to their press releases. The DOL released the other day a press release with a positive spin on it. The Business Insider even picked up on in, in their magazine. Um Department of Labor is looking out for the rights of the workers to we're, we're fighting this terrible misclassification because we know Americans want to be workers and not independent business people. And this is because the current administration and I'm not making this a union versus non-union, but they are unabashedly pro-union and pro-labor anti-business and they want to make it impossible for guys like you and me, Jay, to do our thing. I am an independent. I am a freelancer. I, I've got about 15 different companies that I contract with for various services, most of which would be prohibited if the Department of Labor gets their ABC test based on California's AB5 that they want. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're pissed off because a Trump-era rule was upheld by a court, and they were told they couldn't rescind it. Now they're doing the rulemaking process to 
put back into place their rule that makes it very hard to be an independent, a freelancer, and eliminate that Trump rule to comply with the orders of the judge. So they want to take away your ability to be an independent business in the same field where there are other professional businesses. And if that happens, I'll have to stop doing a lot of my public speaking, my writing. The magazine I write for has already turned one writer that lives in California into an employee instead of a freelance just so they could keep uh, him and his column. This, this is absolutely absurd. That sounds un-American. It is. It, it is. America is the land of opportunity. We're not promised success. We're only promised the pursuit of liberty and happiness. So we're promised the pursuit of success and the pursuit of the American dream. We're not promised we're going to get it. And by doing this, they're taking away those of us that like to be responsible for our own outcome. I leave the cave in the morning. I kill something. I drag it home and I eat it. I don't need somebody to just drop it off at my doorstep for me. Wow, that's unbelievable. I. Wow. Now you're just making me mad. Yeah, me too. Can't you tell? <laughs> I mean, it really, that is BS. And you know, I this was a family show, but that is messed up. Yes. Why? And I'm, I'm trying to figure out, this is what, when I can't understand the crazy that spews, I try to figure out, I mean, where, where, where is this coming from? What is the... Is this just a legal money grab, or is there? did somebody have a good point and it got lost? What the, is this? There are some workers that are taken advantage of with misclassification. I am not naive enough to believe it never happens. Uh, even in the trucking industry, a lot of the port truckers in California, which is what started a lot of this, they are not owner-operators. They are employees, but they're shifting the cost and hiding taxes by claiming them to be an owner-operator, and they're avoiding workers' compensation. So I'm not naive that they're, this, this isn't all unicorns and fairies. Things are bad in certain parts and in certain businesses. Uh, that said... Don't punish all of us because well, there are some bad. Right. We're after the bad businesses. Right. Uh, so, yeah, this we have is... a habit of taking a bad apple and making a global mandate. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and just smashed all the pumpkins in the neighborhood. Yeah, and so there yeah. are some uh, taxes that are probably not being paid and collected correctly. There are people that get injured every day at work and have no recourse because they were a contractor, right. even Good though they example. were being controlled as if they were an employee. That said, not everybody is there, and I believe there's a lot more to it than this. I believe the whole goal is to make people dependent on being employees – because it's easier to control a couple of hundred or a couple of thousand large corporations than a couple of million independent contractors. And, and there seems to be a push towards um, wealth redistribution, government control, and socialism programs. And not all socialistic-type programs are awful, but... Again, it goes against the American spirit, at least the America that you and I grew up in. And what here's what's interesting: I am I am down the middle politically. All right, I pick on Trump and Biden equally. All right, I believe. Yeah, in, so do so do I. I really I, do. 
Um, but I don't understand why, like, proponents of AB5 and un-American activities like this don't understand that this, you're just shoving, like, the American entrepreneur to the right. If you're yeah, going to cancel their life, you are shoving them to the right. How do you not see this? Yeah, but they don't care because they, they believe care. that they're going to create enough people on Easy. the left to keep them in power. Look at how we destroyed the American farmer in the 80s. And Amazing. that was government done with import-export imbalances and uh, um, stuff like that. So we destroyed the hardworking care. American farmer. But and they... now when we had a global pandemic, we couldn't even feed ourselves properly. I mean, they can't be heartless, can they? I no, don't believe, I, I don't believe I, anybody's I don't, heartless. And, well, and I don't believe most of the politicians <laughs> that are involved in this, I don't believe most of them are even doing this with malintent. They just don't understand because in their warped mind, this is good for everybody. Everyone wants to collect the paycheck and we're just like universal basic income. There was an awesome Mike Rowe podcast away. I heard it. His episode. Oh this my gosh. Week. I caught, I, I just caught, okay. Keep going. Mike Rowe's you, podcast. Yes, yes. His podcast this week, they commented on UBI universal basic income and how it's going to spread and, 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 uh, um, increase the problem we have with people that just don't want to participate in work anymore. And uh, that's a big problem in this country. And uh, we have 12 million unfilled jobs right now. Well, and, and what's everybody going to do when the robots take over? UBI. <laughs> I mean, right? Yes. Yes. Um, oh I can't God. remember the children's cartoon. <laughs> what happened but to this it, show today? Yes. <laughs> um, so lo long story short. Oh, man. I work with a lot of politicians. Most of them are decent people. They just live in a whole different reality than you and I do. Oh, and that is gonna <laughs> that is going to end today's program. We're so glad we could leave you on such a high note. Um, <laughs> but here's the good news: is that we know that you know it, trying to navigate the FMCSA, DOT, Clearinghouse, ELD, and on and on. It's a giant stack of papers. Brian is here to help you. He is your DOT guy. I put some links in the live chat. Uh, go to yourdotguy.com. If you've got a question, a burning question, email onair at yourdotguy.com. Put it in the uh, comments below. Thanks for jumping in the live chat. Brian, thank you so much for your advice today. We really appreciate it. You're welcome, Jay. Thank you, everybody. All right, well, please do join us again. We're not here every week. Um, we're here some weeks. <laughs> um, and so I think, actually, okay, we're going to be back in two weeks, Brian. November okay. 2nd, okay? November 2nd, and then November gets a little crazy between trade shows, Thanksgiving. We'll do the best we can. It could be, I'll tell you what, it could be... We'll either be back the 23rd or the 30th. So make sure you join us in two weeks on November 2nd. Send in your questions, autotransportintel at gmail.com. Let us know how we can help you. And Brian, we'll see you in two weeks. Yes, sir. Looking All forward right, cool. to it. All right, thanks, buddy. Have a great one. Thank you. All right, see ya. Take care. <laughs> yep, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Thanks. bye.